listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of light. We light these candles as a sign of the coming light of Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> one muffin, y'all. One muffin. Oh, you know what? I bet it's not. How's that? Awesome. Y'all, whatever you do, don't tell James that the one week that I come to preach, we have our best crowd in two months. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so, I also want to say a special thank you to so many of you for uh, taking me up on the Galdet Sunday Challenge. I see so much pink. I see so much tacky Christmas. That's awesome. Um, I was so excited when James told me this is the week that he wanted to preach because I love this God at Sunday stuff, um, which y'all will see here. But we'll get there. Let me, let's start by reading our scripture, and then we'll have a prayer, and then we'll take a look at some stuff together. Galatians chapter 4, 4 through 5. Uh, like James always says, if you've got a Bible, feel free to open it might be easier to uh, just look right here in the bulletin. That's what I'm going to do. Jesus said, oh, that's the wrong one there. I'm sorry. Uh, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, uh, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, it is ridiculous that I would be up here to preach to anybody. I say that every time you bring me up here, and I mean it every time you bring me up here. I, I am the last guy that needs to be up here doing this. Um, my only hope is that you promise in your word that when your word goes out, it does not return void. You promise that you are in the business of striking straight lines with crooked sticks. So, Lord... Uh, that's what I am. That's all I've got. Uh, I ask that you would come and that you would speak to me and that you would speak through me and that you would speak in spite of me. And we promise, Lord, to be very careful to give you all the glory. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Gaudet Sunday is, as I, I, you, some of you heard me say, it's joy in the midst of waiting. Um, Advent is a season of waiting. It's a season of anticipation. It's not Christmas yet, but Christmas is coming. So we're waiting on it. And, and you know, I have a different perspective on that now that I have a six-year-old. Uh, waiting not so easy for little kids, as a lot of y'all know real well. Um, and I think that's a healthy perspective, because when we think about waiting for God to come and fix things... I don't think we're much more patient than a six-year-old, right? <laughs> Especially when the world is not... When we can see the bad stuff in the world and it's coming into our lives. When we see death and when we see disease and when we see war. Um, 
it's not so easy to be patient, right? And so we say, come on, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And what does he say most of the time? Keep waiting. Keep waiting. But he gives us joy in the midst of that waiting. And that's what this Sunday is all about. Uh, pink or rose is the color of joy. So the idea of wearing pink today is in the midst of all this waiting, in the midst of all this come quickly, Lord Jesus, we can still have joy. He gives us joy. That's what the pink is about. And the thing about joy is, joy is tacky. Joy is not contained, right? Like when you're really excited, people can tell. You know, you, 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 don't, you don't sit there and say, I am very excited. You know, <laughs> you know, you do silly things, you do tacky things, because joy is tacky, and that's what the tacky Christmas stuff is about. Um, so again, thank you so much for being a part of this. Um, what I want to do today in this little short passage of Scripture is very briefly uh, give you a reason to have some joy in the midst of this Advent season, in the midst of this life of waiting. So let's read the Scripture one more time. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So the, the joy in this passage is all wrapped up in one little word at the end of the passage, that we might receive adoption as sons. In the fullness of time, in other words, whenever God thought was right, which turned out to be at Christmas, God sent His Son, sent Jesus, to a little manger in Bethlehem, born a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. Why? So that we might receive adoption as sons. What that means is, if you have faith in Jesus, you have been adopted. God is your dad. And everything that belongs to him belongs to you. So if everything that belongs to God belongs to me, now I really don't ever have anything to worry about, do I? You know? But I don't know about you, my guess is that you're like me, I don't live very much like I have nothing to worry about. Um, I live with a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear and a lot of anger. Um, and you can't get around the fact that if what we just read is true, if everything that belongs to my dad belongs to me, then it makes no sense that I live with anxiety and fear. So why do we live that way? I learned about something as I was studying for this. Some of you may have heard about this. Um, every child that's ever been adopted by a human parent suffers from something called adoption attachment disorder. All that means is 
when you're adopted into a family and you know it, it's hard to build that mom and dad bond with your parents, at least at the first, right? Because they're not your, your parents, at least not like, like you would think, right? They're not your biological parents. If you have brothers and sisters that are the biological children of your adoptive parents, that makes it even harder. Because it makes sense that your brothers and sisters are here. It doesn't make sense that you are. Right? They didn't have you like they had the brothers and sisters. Adoption is a weird thing, y'all. And I think we do a sorry job of understanding what it means to be adopted as Christians. I think we have our own version of adoption attachment disorder. Um, this is the actual definition of that. When a child has not developed a healthy sense of being able to trust others and internalizes a message that there is no one else who can be depended upon to be responsible for her except her. That's the definition of adoption attachment disorder. Uh, there's a pastor that I really love named Jack Miller. Some of you may know him. He's a pastor from Philadelphia. He said that we all live like that. And when he looked at Christians that were living like that with anxiety and fear and pain, you know what he said? He said, you're not living like a son, you're living like an orphan. You're not living like somebody who has a dad that loves you and that you belong to. You're living like somebody who is an orphan that feels like you have no parents and is trying to get by in a hard world on by your wits and by your guile and by whatever you got. He even came up with this chart. Tells the difference between what an orphan feels and what a child of God feels. He says, if you're living like an orphan, you feel alone. You lack a vital daily intimacy with God. You are full of self-concern. Anybody? That's me. If you're living like a child of God, you have a growing assurance that God is really my loving Heavenly Father. You're growing in your assurance. That's becoming more and more real to you. If you're living like an orphan, you feel anxiety over your needs. You feel anxiety about relationships, money, health. I'm all alone and nobody cares. I'm not a happy kid. If you're living like a child of God, you trust the Father, and you have a growing confidence in His loving care. And that results in you being freed up from worry. If you're living like an orphan, you're living on a succeed-fail basis. You need to look good and be right. You are performance-oriented. If you're living like a child of God, you are learning to live in daily conscious partnership with God. You're not fearful. If you're living like an orphan, you feel condemned, you feel guilty, and you feel unworthy before God and others. 
you're living like a child of God, you feel loved, you feel forgiven, and totally accepted. Because Christ's merit clothes, clothes you. If you're living like an orphan, you have very little faith, lots of fear, and lots of faith in yourself. And that manifests itself in this phrase. I've got to fix it. Whatever it is, I have to fix it. It's on me. If you're living like a child of God, you have a daily working trust in God's sovereign plan for your life as loving, wise, and best. And here's the little short sentence that sounds innocent enough, but it's the hardest thing. Believes God is good. So, I can only speak for myself, but in every single one of those, I live my life most of the time way more like an orphan than I do like a child of God. I don't think I'm doing that. You know, I come to church, I read the Bible, I get up probably earlier than I should to read the Bible. Um, but my decisions reveal the fact that I live like an orphan. Because I struggle all the time to believe that God is good. I struggle to believe that God is good every Christmas that comes around and neither of my parents are here. And I see the ornaments that they bought me when I was a little boy hanging on that tree. And I say to myself, how, how can a good God take them away from me and leave me here to keep on trying without without those people that love me into being. Y'all, if you're living like an orphan, if you're living like me, this passage is the best thing you can possibly read. Because even if it doesn't change anything else about you today, the first thing that I hope you get from that is, I don't have to live like this. God himself says, I don't have to live like an orphan. Whether I understand it, whether it makes a difference in my life or not, if my faith is in Jesus, God is my Father. He became my Father to adopt me. To make me His child. So the obvious question is, how do we live like, like sons and daughters and not orphans, right? And I wish I could say, oh, well, it's just A, B, and C. <laughs> Thank you for that. I see, a, I see a couple of heads shaking. It's never as easy as A, B, and C. And what's worse, I can tell you that's probably going to be a struggle for every single one of us between here and heaven. If I knew how to do that, I wouldn't be as anxious as I am. But there are some things I do know. Because Scripture tells them to me. I know that we can read God's promises to ourselves. Are there, are there places in Scripture where God promises good things that really speak to you? 
Um, for me, it's that passage in Psalm 30 when God talks about in the night there'll be mourning, as in like mourning for somebody that you lost. But when the sun comes up, He's going to turn our mourning into dancing. There's another passage in the psalm that says, God keeps a record of our tears. And the idea there is that every single tear that you've ever cried, it's like God is collecting each one in a bottle. And He promises. He's not just going to make things right. He's going to make up for each and every tear that you cried like it was a math equation. I can't count the number of tears I've cried. I don't want to start thinking about how many tears I've cried. But God knows every single one. He has a record of every single one. And He promises He's going to do something about it. The last one for me there is God says in the, in the Scriptures that He's going to make up for the years that the locusts have eaten. You ever look back on your life and think about all the stuff you wish wasn't there? The stuff that drags you down, the stuff that hurts you? Maybe the times you hurt other people? That's what it talks about when it's saying the years the locusts have eaten. I don't think there's a human alive that believes that life is as it should be. If they are, if there is one, I feel really bad for them. <laughs> um, but the God of the universe promises, promises, and he's going to make up for the years that the locusts have eaten. Y'all, we can read those promises to ourselves. We can read them by ourselves with the Holy Spirit, with the Bible in front of us. And we can read them to each other and process them in community with each other. Y'all, one of the biggest reasons that God created churches is so that we would see every Sunday morning that we're not in this alone. If anybody here is feeling a burden, any kind of burden, and you feel like you can't share that, boy, do I have good news for you. You've got a room full of brothers and sisters that are here to love you and walk with you in the midst of that is, that's how God shows His love for us now in this in-between time, in this weird time that we live in. We talk a lot here about being the hands and feet of Jesus. If one of your brothers and sisters is hurting and you sit with them and you, you give them a hug and you give them your time or you make them some supper... That's being the hands and feet of Jesus for people. And y'all, when you're feeling those burdens, know that God has given you your family right here in this room to walk through those burdens with you. We can process 
these things together as a community. The more we do that, the easier it is to understand. The more, the more we will, will start to maybe think that this adoption thing is real. And here's the biggest thing. God promises He will not leave us as we are. The great thing about our God and our Savior is that He will He will come to you wherever you are. You don't have to clean yourself up for Him. You don't have to get right and then go to church. That's the that's Satan says that. He loves you no matter what. He wants you to come to Him however you are. But He also promises not to leave you that way. So whether you feel like you're changing or not, the God of the universe says you are. If you have faith in Him, the God of the universe says you're either changing or you're going to change because I will not leave you as you are. And most of the time, I'm the sorriest and least reliable person to ask whether or not I'm changing. Don't ever, ever, ever go by your thoughts about how much you're changing, about how much you're growing. Other people are going to see that better than you can, and you need that. That's one of the reasons we process things together in community. Because my wife is going to have a lot better idea of if I'm having victory over this particular sin than I am. One thing I've learned with this amazing lady right here by my side for almost 11 years is that I do a crappy job of giving myself grace. I don't, see, she's not, exactly, see, there you go. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know when I started doing this or how I even started doing this. But the standards I try and hold myself to are not the standards anybody else is trying to hold me to. They're surely not the standards God is trying to hold me to. Because the standard that God is trying to hold me to is Jesus. And He kept the law for me. He's already taken care of all of that. So y'all, don't trust yourselves. Trust your brothers and your sisters. Understand that your brothers and your sisters are here and they and, and if you are a Christian, believe everybody in this room that is a Christian that has faith in Jesus, y'all are brothers and sisters just as much as you are with your actual brothers and sisters that you grew up with. These two are sisters that grew up together. But she's you're you are you are brother and sister just as much if you have faith in Jesus, whether you understand that or not. So <coughs> It's really hard to get this adoption thing down, but it's true because the Bible says it's true, and God shows that to us and gives us each other to make that more real on a daily basis, y'all. Um, if you don't know Jesus, if you hadn't put your faith in Jesus, please read that verse again. Please read that verse again when you're wondering what you're going to say. Maybe you don't even believe in God, but I guarantee you there's some part of you that wonders if He's real. And if He is real, what are you going to say to Him, right?
the God of the universe who never did anything wrong, sent His Son down at Christmas so that whether you feel it right now or not, you could be adopted into His family. You could be loved like you were His biological child. I think that's a lot better reason for Christmas joy than whatever toys you got into the tree, y'all. Let's pray. Lord, as true as this is, um, there are a lot there are people in this room that have been walking with Jesus a lot longer than I have. And they know better than me what a struggle it is to believe, to live like this is true. So Lord, I ask that you would that you would fill us up with your Holy Spirit in such a way that we understand that we are adopted. That that's what Christmas is about. That you came to adopt us in your family. And that we don't have anything to worry about because our our dad has got everything under control. And whether we see what we want to see or not, he is making all things new, Lord. I pray every single person in this room would know that and feel that and have that reality be true with them before they leave today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.